KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. I feel like nowadays people are starting to realize the importance of teaching kids financial literacy. Instead of taking calculus that, quite frankly, I haven't used in years, I wish I had classes on how to do my taxes or how to balance a checkbook. I love teaching calculus, but while it is foundational for these STEM programs and other programs, right, it became sort of a stand-in, a proxy, if you will, for high-achieving students. So whether or not the mathematics was mathematics they were going to use, right, it became a signifier of sorts. Dr. Ted Coe is the Vice President of Academic Advocacy for Mathematics at NWEA, a nonprofit that works to support both students and educators. He says schools should have a wide variety of math options for their students, including some that are more practical post-high school. We have this mindset that algebra and calculus have a lock on the notion of mathematical rigor and that there aren't other different sorts of mathematics that could be just as rigorous in nature. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, we talk about how we can reimagine math curriculums, why we tend to stick to the same class options like geometry and algebra, and what are some different math alternatives for students who don't want to pursue a field in STEM. How would you say we have done, kind of as an educational society the last 50 years or so, of teaching math and giving students the right mathematic tools to succeed in the world? Well, Rhea, Rhea, right out the gate with a very loaded question there. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) How have we done? It's, It's a mixed bag for sure out there, right? You have a lot of people who are always trying to do their best, but you have some key philosophical differences, I think, at the foundation of it all about what it even means to teach or learn mathematics, right? And so you end up with these different competing factions out there that are aiming for different goals when you get down to it. Me growing up, I was in calculus, advanced math, but yet I was never taught anything about balancing your checkbook or how taxes work. What leads us to focus on things like calculus and such and not on things, you know, like taxes, your checkbook, things you're going to have to deal with day in and day out? Yeah, yeah, good question. I I always kind of get a chuckle at the uh, checkbook balancing question because I I can't remember the last time I personally balanced my checkbook because the number of transactions are so small. And the last thing I want to do is uh, sort of incentivize someone to be writing a check in front of me in the grocery store line because that, that always slows things down tremendously. But what other math could we be offering our students that they're not seeing? Maybe outside of like the elementary school math level topics of balancing a checkbook to things like loan payments, understanding loans, amortization tables, right? Understanding credit card interest rates, investments, right? These, these kinds of things where there's down-to-earth applications, a stronger understanding of statistics, a statistical literacy that we would like, to, like our whole populace to have, or just a quantitative literacy in general, being able to look at things, imagine quantifying them and making sense of them, right? You did that thing where you, you, you went through calculus and the honors track and so forth. I actually went to high school where calculus wasn't even offered. A question I would bounce back at you is when you left that calculus class, how would you describe your take on calculus? I was actually good at it and I couldn't explain to you why. That being said, if you put something in front of me now, I would have no idea because the biggest benefit I got from taking calculus in high school was when I took it in college. I had an excellent high school teacher. I didn't learn anything new until Thanksgiving. And I mean that sincerely. Like those three months were the first three months were a breeze because it was basically all review. But once I stopped taking calculus in college, I couldn't tell you 
any time I utilize anything I learned in a class like that in the real world. Did you feel like you had a pretty good, I like to use this analogy with uh, folks, and I ask with your last experience with the mathematics in a mathematics classroom, when you left that class, did you feel like you had a box full of puzzle pieces? You knew they fit together in some way, or were you actually able to sort of step back and see the big picture and see how this all fit together and how it fit into something larger than itself? I don't think so. I don't think I was nuanced enough at that age. A lot of it was, I need to do this. I need to take a couple of maths. I'm going into radio and TV and you naively think, well, I don't need math for anything. But I don't think I ever thought of the bigger picture at that time of how is this really have I learned other than checking the boxes. When I had my first experience with calculus, it was it was more like I had that collection of puzzle pieces, right? I knew all these procedures. I knew these things. But if you ever asked me to sort of, how, how do they fit into something bigger? How do they fit into real life? I would have really had a, a challenging time answering that question. Why have we pursued stuff like this? Now, you said it wasn't offered at your school, but like I took algebra and then from algebra, you went to geometry or maybe I've got them backwards, but, and then I took advanced math and then I took calculus and that was just, you know, there was not a financial literacy course. You just kind of wonder what was the thought process from an educational standpoint? It comes from a whole line of history, right? You can chase that high school curriculum back decades. And the classic model is sort of this, you took algebra as a freshman, geometry as a sophomore, an algebra two type course. Mm-hmm. As a junior. Maybe maybe if you were accelerated in there, it was a year advanced and you'd started all that in eighth grade. And then, and then maybe a pre-calculus class, and then you go to a calculus class. The calculus class, it's an amazing mathematics. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. I love teaching calculus. But while it is foundational for these STEM programs and other programs, right, it became sort of a stand in a proxy, if you will, for high achieving students. So whether or not the mathematics was mathematics they were going to use, right, it became a signifier of sorts. We ended up in a place where are our students taking calculus because they want to learn calculus or because they want to be able to say they took calculus? right? And if it's the latter, what cost does that come at? What is the other mathematics that they're missing out on, right? If, if calculus is not a part of where they're headed, that they otherwise would be seen going back to the examples I gave earlier, you know, with the quantitative literacy, with the statistical literacy, with the examples of financial literacy, all of these pieces that could be coming to the table that currently in, in the path that our students would see running through that as a race to a calculus class by the end of their senior year, they would not see. Let me turn it around and play devil's advocate. Is there the argument to be made that taking things, and I we're dumping on calculus. I, me personally, I put a lot of your upper level mats in this bucket, things like trigonometry, but I feel like calculus is the one you kind of look at and go, I don't know where I use that again. But is there an argument to be made that it helps with problem solving and deductive reasoning and working through a problem? Yes, you might never utilize the specific on how to find that answer, but the processes and the thought process and the working through a problem and understanding what formulas were, like just having that that basic baseline of how to get from the beginning to the end is helpful. Yeah, yeah. The potential for that is absolutely there, right? Becoming a better thinker, becoming a stronger problem solver. And certainly the possibility is there, but that doesn't mean that the instruction is always leading it that way. Right? And I hope that I'm not coming off at all as dumping on calculus. Like I said, it's a remarkable human achievement and it's worthy of study. It's just perhaps not the thing that all students need to be aiming for right out the gate. How should we be approaching this to, to make sure that we are getting 
the best mathematical knowledge to the most people with the most skills that will do them the most good in the big picture? <laughs> yeah, that's another great big question, isn't it? There are different there are different ways I think that different groups are trying to answer that question. Right now, what's happening around the country is a lot of states are working to rethink sort of this transition, if you will, from like the last two years of high school to the first two years of college. We know that the career track is also there. There's a lot of work, though, right now going on in the transition from the high school to college. And it's trying to make sure that you get that right math to the right students while at the same time, you're never closing off opportunities. You're never blocking progress. And it, that becomes a very sticky, very messy question. Because at some point, at some point, you want mathematical experience of students to branch, right? At some point, some math is going to be better for some and other math is going to be better for others. And the answering that question of what that point is, is quite tricky. You know, what math do all students need to see before we start to dig into a specialized line of algebra to calculus? And then how do we make sure that if students, if students pick a different pathway, if you will, that they can still always come back to that pathway? But they don't, they don't start to have the, uh, you know, horrible experiences in mathematics. They don't start to feel like they're not math capable because of the barrage of how mathematics typically comes at them. If you were in charge of this, you had the power to figure out when to branch off and where to focus. What would be some ways we could maybe do a better job or you know, do more service to, to the students and the, the kids that maybe are going on that STEM track, this obviously a, a calculus trait, that all makes sense. But the people that aren't, the people that maybe are going to go to college, but go for the arts or stuff like that, they would be much more, you know, for more maybe meat and potatoes math. Like how, how would we, how do we approach this? Well, you, you want to kind of start by looking at all of these systems all put together, right? You want to look and say, hey, look, what's the kind of mathematics that the students at the universities are really working on these days? And it's not what we may have seen decades ago with the focus on college algebra. Somewhere along the line, there was a, you know, we had that large focus on college algebra and an intermediate algebra prerequisite leading up to it and prerequisites leading up to that, right? All in that train of running from one to the other. But what's happened over the last 10, 15 years on the college side is alternative math pathways have started to grow. And they might focus on quantitative reasoning. They might be more focused on the data literacy side of things. They might fo be focused on the, who knows, maybe a discrete math or something out there. But the two, the two primary ones are, are statistics and quantitative reasoning. Now, what's happened, though, over the years is while those courses had, let's say, a prerequisite to them that was algebra-based, as the years go farther and farther along, those algebra prerequisites tend to fall by the wayside some. So you don't really need college algebra to succeed in these courses. You don't really need intermediate algebra to succeed in these courses. They don't require that robust algebraic backbone that calculus needs, but yet they're meeting the needs of many, many, many students at the university level. Why this gets interesting is if you start to say, look, college algebra Okay, the course that the colleges have started, they've, they've backed off of, is not the right course for all of our students to take. You get carnage, you get folks who you're taking a math class that doesn't go anywhere, right, to, for, for them if you're not taking another math class after it. But college algebra and algebra two are, in many places, very close to the same course. So how can you say at the college level that we don't need all of this algebra, but at the high school level, we still expect all of this algebra? There's a tension in there that becomes very challenging to address. Because you have these situations where you need more algebra now 
to enter into a university than you do to graduate from that university, right? We I ran into an interesting piece the other day where I was working with a, with a group and there was an aha moment where the university can require an Algebra two course to enter. They can require a quantitative reasoning course to graduate. You could take the quantitative reasoning course, say at a community college, without having taken Algebra two. Then if you get admitted to that university, you will be admitted as both mathematically deficient while simultaneously having met the mathematics graduation requirement, right? It's this sort of inverse space that we're at right now that leads to where does this, where does the branching begin? How are, how are we going to best meet the needs of our students and not burn them out on mathematics that's not relevant to where they're going? Again, while at the same time, not ever blocking the opportunities later on for any student to join back into that pathway. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Ted Coe right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation about teaching mathematics with Dr. Ted Coe of NWEA. How much of do you think it falls into the, well, this is how it's always been done, so this is how we continue to do it? Because I think a lot of American society kind of falls in line with things like that, like, well, that's how it's all, and, what you know, well, if we change that, we have to change this. Like, kind of maybe a lack of imagination. There's certainly that, right? There's also all these layers of policy among different systems that sort of get in the way. But it's a question of lurking deep down inside there is we have this mindset that Algebra and calculus have a lock on the notion of mathematical rigor and that there aren't other different sorts of mathematics that could be just as rigorous in nature. If you're capable, if you're able, you should be going to that calculus pathway, not instead saying, oh, are you actually heading to a career, say nursing or something like that, where a statistics pathway would be far more appropriate. But as long as the perception is there that you're in one because you're more capable than the other, rather than because it's more in line with where you're headed, or if you're, if, if you're operating under the assumption of, of wanting to go to a, a highly selective college or university that hasn't come out yet and said, hey, we're not actually looking for calculus on your transcript, then you've got these other issues in play. All this being said, wouldn't we all benefit if part of the basics of getting out of high school included a class on personal finance? It just seems to me, because I look back, and now I know I'm, we're going back 30 years to when I was in high school, but it blows my mind that I was never offered or required to take something that would lead you to understand how interest works, the difference between a credit card at 19% interest and how quickly that accumulates to a savings account that has 0.75 interest and how slowly that accumulates and, and compound interest and stuff like that and stocks and investing and index funds. Like it just seems to me that should just be something we all get. And it's just part of the, it's baked into the cake no? And I think people have gotten better at that. I say that I think it's a lot better now than when I was in school. Well, and, then, and that's why this question of, you know, sort of if I'm thinking about where is this branch going to take place for student difference in pathways, that kind of stuff lands on the front side of that branch, right? All students should have access to the kind of mathematics that you're talking about so that when they go in to buy a car and there's a loan payment that's put in front of them, they know whether or not that's an accurate number. They know whether or not other things have been baked into that amount. With everything we've discussed here, does this require a complete reimagining of math? courses across the board is it tweaking will it depend on different places like if we were to get everybody in a more forward more agile versatile curriculum when it comes to mathematics what would it look like how'd you go about it 
it's interesting. So I can, I can point to what others are doing, right? How these things are actually kind of playing out. It can't be done in a vacuum, right? Your students all, if you're a high school offering mathematics classes, your students are all going someplace. Not only that, you have a layer on there that says, here's our graduation requirements. You've got the state requirements. You've got the uh, annual accountability requirements. You have placement requirements at colleges and universities, admission requirements to colleges and universities, some of which are maybe somewhat uniform and others are not, right? You have all kinds of forces doing what they can to hold the status quo. And so going in to try to make these changes requires sort of a state level initiative, if you will, right? Pulling together as a state, pulling together task forces that say, hey, we're going to look at this with the K-12 folks in the room, with the administrators in the room, with the higher ed folks in the room, pulling them all together and having these very difficult and very open conversations. And some of the, and this has happened in some places. So you've got in Ohio, for example, they've got a set of math pathways now where it branches after that second year. So a geometry type, you've had an algebra one, you've had a geometry and it branches off to five different options. One of which is algebra two, but they also have statistics and probability, data science and foundations, discrete mathematics, computer science, and quantitative reasoning. So they brought these other things onto the table. Now they were able to do some of that because the higher ed had already made their motions clear on what sort of pathways they were going to have. Years before, the higher ed had already gotten together and accomplished a lot of this work, which then enabled the high schools to come along and do some of this work. In Oregon, you've got this model. It's, it's, it's another where it's a, it's a uh, they're calling this one a two plus one where they're branching after the sophomore year. And uh, you do like an algebra class and then, and then you would do a half a year of geometry and a half a year of something data related. Right? And then you'll go off onto the, the math pathway that's the most appropriate for the course you're taking. The Washington model is a, is a really interesting one, where in that case, it's a rethinking of Algebra 2, where the first half of the year is very much stuff you'd be used to seeing in Algebra 2, but, but definitely focused on quantification, equivalent re, uh, representations, and variation, these kinds of things as grounding to the, to the work that they're doing. But in the second semester, you, you move into this sort of elective mode where teachers can select from different options, one of which is a focus on, on finance, right? But it's focus on finance done at, with where you're leveraging the Algebra 2 level mathematics to do it or you're dealing with periodicity, or you're dealing with uh, some data science, or, or you're dealing with some linear algebra, which leads to some cool things with art and animation, right? But it's rethinking that, but doing it in such a way that you're not, you're not one-offing yourself in the system and you're not selling your students short in the long term. How much of this is hurt or stymied just by the logistics problems of having the right people, having enough people, and the availability to do stuff like this? Oh, I, th I think that that's going to be playing a significant role in these models. You've got schools and rural districts that are going to have a hard time perhaps fielding one section of a course, let alone two or three different sections, right? Are there technology layers you can put into play? What else could you do to open up these opportunities for your students when you just don't have the capacity to pull it off? Another interesting twist on this you reminded me of as you were talking is this idea that, now remember we, we started off our conversation talking about sort of this notion of what it means to be college ready. What does that look like? Well, if these courses could be taught as dual credit courses for college, now you're talking about a whole different layer of teacher supply because being able to connect college credentialed teachers and connect them closely to the high school classroom becomes a whole different layer of, of work that needs to be done. And that and that's not an easy one to do. Yeah. And to that point, we already have a problem 
in this country. And if you haven't noticed, I like to come at things from a bunch of different angles. So, uh, of inequity. And if you push for this, which once again is a really good idea, could it just push further apart? Because you talk about some of these districts, rural, some, you know, inner city districts that are, that just don't get the funding. And, you know, the, the rich get richer. A lot of your suburban districts and some of your charter schools would be, be able to, to do all this. What would be your concern be of kind of that educational inequity gap even widening? Possibility is there, and we have to be vigilant about it. Even with all the best of intentions, all of these options that are showing up out there, all of the good work that these things don't grow into blocking opportunity, that they don't grow into oh, we don't need to offer this. <laughs> or, or that, no, really, we're putting all of, all of this demographic of students into this course just by default. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.